Welcome to this production from College Place United Methodist Church. To find out more about our church, please visit our website at www.collegeplaceumc.org. And now, here's our sermon from Dr. Bill Daniel. So big, you don't need a preacher. <laughs> the Easter message didn't start with us preachers. It started with people who were in the dark, who came to a tomb and discovered it was empty. And the light began to dawn on them. Even as it dawned on us, as we proceeded this morning in the dark, and we all discovered together, moment by moment, the holy was all around us. And as we discovered the holiness around us, we discovered more light, and the message comes forth. Preachers are purely optional today. But I'm going to exercise my option. <laughs> With so many old friends and family and new friends and traveling friends and those of us Sunday by Sunday, who have traveled through Lent together. How can we but take a moment to remember the gospel as it sprang to life from an empty tomb among the first disciples and how they struggled to make sense of it? I think we'll exercise our option today and hear the scripture anew and pray that we hear it afresh to enliven us to be and to hear the gospel of new life among us. The Gospel according to John, the 20th chapter, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. And so she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid Him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And he bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came, following him, and he went into the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there. The cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. And so the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood there weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and other at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? And supposing him to be only the gardener, she said to him, 
Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus then said to her, don't hold on to me, because I've not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father, and your Father to my God, and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. May the Lord bless you at the reading and hearing of his word. Thanks be to God. Sometimes when the message is so big, you need to bring it down to earth and have a little grounding. And I like Winnie the Pooh for that. We could let Winnie the Pooh help focus our eyes a little bit on this text. Such a grand text. But um, Winnie the Pooh and Piglet were taking a, a long walk one morning and Piglet asked him, when you woke up in the morning, Pooh, what's the first thing you say to yourself? Pooh said, what's for breakfast? <laughs> of course. Pooh then asked, what do you say to yourself, Piglet, first thing in the morning? And Piglet said, I wonder what exciting thing is going to happen today. Now, when we woke up this morning, we were probably somewhere between Pooh and Piglet, weren't we? <laughs> Some of us may have been right there with Pooh. Well, I wonder what's for breakfast. I wonder what the Easter egg is lying in the Easter basket. I wonder what the Easter bunny brought me. I wonder what wonderful meal we will have with our family today. What a blessing to have a Sunday with family. And then there's the piglets among us who arose with the dawn and said, I wonder what new life will come this Easter morn. Rising with hope, with the idea that something more than breakfast will happen to us today. That's an Easter promise. That something more than breakfast will move through us this day. What's moving through you this Easter? What's moving in us, all around us, this Easter morn? Is the message, is the new life moving through us? When I look at this text, I see a lot of movement. I see a lot of moving. They track the movements and the, the running here and there, and there's some races, and it seems like a big game, doesn't it? It almost seems like a, a giant game of tag, if you will. Have, have you ever played a game of tag, freeze tag? Do you know what freeze tag is? I see a lot of freeze tag down in this, this text on Easter morn. A lot of Chaos and confusion. I don't know how you played freeze tag growing up. I think each generation kind of reinvents it, right? My generation liked to have the it go around and freeze people one by one. If you were tagged by it, you were frozen. So you, you started off, everybody's running around, and then it would tag you, you'd be frozen. But the people who were still able to run could come up and tag those who were frozen and set them free. Did you play it that way? Yeah. I liked it that way. If you got frozen, you could get unstuck if somebody cared enough to come around and touch you. Touch you. you were either freed or frozen, one or the other. <laughs> That's kind of like the church on Easter morn, right? <laughs> we come running around and tag we're it. We're, we're in this big game called Easter. 
Some of us are frozen and some of us are freed. But the Easter message comes to tag us, to set us free from that which has us frozen this Easter morn. The moment of Easter is such a defining moment. It's a, it's a, it's a moment where we look at the disciples and Simon Peter is running and John, who is the writer, is running and Mary Magdalene. It's all a big game of tag. And it's certainly a surprise. And there's a lot of movement. Something is moving through them. And it takes them a while to figure out exactly what is moving through them. It's a moment where the frozen disciples are being freed. And yet they don't fully understand it because they don't have the scripture. They don't fully understand what they've encountered. It's a surprise, the empty tomb. Easter is that moment when we are tagged with a new power that frees us. And Mary Magdalene and the disciples had to struggle with how they were going to play out Easter moving through them. Easter is a defining moment. Easter is the moment where new life moves through disciples from the tomb all the way through time. Are we freed? Are we frozen on Easter? What's moving you at Easter? Something got you moving? What's moving through us at Easter? Easter moves us. It's a moving event. And we can be tagged with the possibility of new life because the tomb did not trap and contain the life force of all the universe in Jesus Christ. And the divine love was shown that no pain would have the last word. That divine love cannot be destroyed. That divine love cannot be defeated by the past. And divine love cannot be detoured from its future purpose. So much possibility comes our way to free us this Easter morn because of what happened so, so long ago. But what did the disciples make of it? They didn't quite understand the story. We have the benefit of Scripture and 2,000 years of disciples coming and tagging us and setting us free with this message. But how did that first message come to them? It came to them in emptiness. It came to them in the dark. It came to them in mystery. It came in confusion. A lot of running and hustling. It comes to us as a story, not very dramatic, but with all the ring of the humdrum, mundane aspects of life. The great moments of our life do sneak up on us like that, don't they? The great moments when we fall in love. The great moments when we go forward into new chapters of our lives. The great moments of our lives, the defining moments when we are no longer frozen but freed for new possibility, they do kind of sneak up on us like the Easter message moving through the disciples snuck up on them. What do the disciples make of this tomb? Well, it's an empty tomb. And it's hard for us preachers. You know, Easter's a little bit of a challenge for preachers. It was a challenge for Mary Magdalene and the disciples, the first witnesses and proclaimers of the new life and, and resurrection life of Jesus, but it's been a challenge for us ever since. It's pretty easy to preach good news, I think, on Christmas, right? You've got a cast of characters, you've got the manger, you've got a lot of, I mean, the story has angels, and it, we kind of know the story. It's, it's, the, the light is on 
the main characters. But this is a story that begins in darkness. And the disciples struggle with the darkness before the, the light dawns upon them. And I think that's sometimes the way we come at Easter. Sometimes we come at Easter, it sneaks up on us with our griefs, our burdens, our struggles, just as it did with the first disciples. What do these disciples make of the tomb? They don't know what to make of it. There's linens and there's cloth and there's a mystery. It's like CSI Jerusalem. <laughs> and pastors and preachers for 2,000 years have tried to piece all the clues together. But I'm not as interested in all the clues this morning. Something happened that day that's had Mary Magdalene first and then the disciples who didn't quite know what to do with it and just went back home to sit with it a little bit. It's had disciples scratching their heads ever since. Do you come here today with some head scratching to do on Easter morning? Some heart scratching? Does it not all add up? All the pieces of the clues? You haven't solved the mystery of CSI, empty tomb, Jerusalem. Well, we have to struggle with it. We ask, what are we to make of the story? But in the end, the story is asking, what will Easter make of you? What is moving through you? What are we to make of the Christ? And how are we to come to him? Mary Magdalene and the disciples come with all their humanity and are confronted with the divine love in their midst. They don't even know. First, they think it's a gardener. Maybe there's some angels. Maybe there's some linen hanging around there. The different accounts have all kinds of different stories. That's why it's kind of like a big tag game. But somebody's being tagged and somebody's being freed. And Mary Magdalene is our first great witness to this. She's our first great person who struggles with the message. The Catholic Church calls her the first apostle. She's the first witness who said, I've seen the Lord. But how did she get to that point where she had the perspective? Maybe we can't get there. Let me subject to you, and we heard a beautiful illustration that this is the day of joy, and where we have our happy faces, and you showed me your happy face, and I see a lot of happy faces, and you showed me your happy face, and we heard your happy heart of joy through the, the gift of song. And we thank you, and we, we give praise to God. And the children had their happy faces. But the Easter message started with sadness. Mary Magdalene was weeping. Even as Jesus wept over Jerusalem last week, as he knew that they sought peace and would not find peace, Mary Magdalene in all the confusion, is crying. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. The first encounter with the tomb did not erupt into a shout of joy or aha. It was tears of pain, loss. The attachment she had, she'd attached her life to Jesus and had followed him and become a trusted disciple alongside of him and seen healings and great sermons and great transformation among the people. And now, there was Do you ever come to those moments in your life when your great hopes and expectations have been disappointed? That's the place where pain is turned into new possible perspectives. Boy, Mary Magdalene might be the prototype of the apostle, but she's also the patron saint of those 
who still have a little pain this side of the cross and resurrection. Does anybody still have a little bit of pain and loss? A little grief that they carry? Mary Magdalene's grief teaches us to stand in it, to name it, to feel it, to express it. Through tears, we often see God's new life coming to us, watered with the seed of our tears. I'm not trying to rain on your parade of Easter. I'm trying to help us see that those tears and those places of pain can be the place where God's new life and resurrection really first comes to us afresh to give us a new, true perspective, to take us from seeing a hazy picture of Jesus, seeing Him as a, as a great figure in history, maybe a gardener, maybe a, a good therapist, but they, with the tears of pain that we bring to Christ, honestly, we can begin to see Him for the risen Lord that seeks to give us new life, forgiveness, and renew us through the power of the Spirit. So we ask, what pains do we bring this day? Are there pains that the gospel says are being, are there tears that are being wiped away? Don't wipe them away too quickly. Through our tears, we might be taught God's truth. The old rabbis used to, now the Jewish church is not celebrating Easter today. They've, they've gone through Passover, but their message is much as ours, that the Passover, that death would pass over the angel of death and that the people of God in Israel would go forth in a new Passover, in a, in a Passover towards new life in Egypt. It took them 40 years. It took a lot of tears and pain, but they got there. Our new life talks about allowing pain to bring us new perspective, new promises, new vision of our future. And the old rabbis had a saying, let the truth, if you don't fully understand the truth, let the truth rest on your heart lightly. Don't force it. Don't wipe away the pain too early. Because when the pain comes to break your heart, the truth that is sitting lightly on your heart, when your heart breaks, and life will tag us with heartbreak, that truth will fall deep. And we will see the depth of Christ's love all the more. Sometimes we need a little pain to take that truth a little deeper into our lives. Struggle with the pain. Sit with it. Don't be like the male disciples. What did they do in the midst of the puzzle and the pain of the crucifixion? When they came to the empty tomb, they just went home and sat with it a little bit. Sounds like a man, doesn't it? <laughs> Big mystery. A lot of pain. Can't, can't really deal with that. Let me go quiet a little bit. Let me go back home. It says it right in the text. I'm not making it up. It says they went home. They sulked a little bit. They sat with it. And some of us need to sit too with the cross and resurrection so that we can live this side of resurrection. Sometimes we have to sit a little bit with us, with, with the loss. And we all deal with different things. But Mary Magdalene dealt with it she came straight at it through her pain. And Christ revealed himself deeper and deeper. She was told, don't cling. Don't cling to me. Don't cling to the past and our past relationship. Wait until you know me in fullness. Some of us have to wait. Some of us want to cling to our relationship with Christ through the, through the vision of the past. And 
And yet Easter is also saying, don't cling to the past. Don't cling to the pain. Don't let the pain rob you of the new life God wants for you. Don't cling to the past. Let God open up a new path. This is some of the hardest work that therapists ever do with people, is helping them not so much sit and name their pain, but to let go of the past and to move on. I was reading an article about this, and this is difficult for, for, for all humans. It's also for disciples, too. I was reading an article about therapists, some of their challenges, and some of their, their biggest challenge is to help people seize the next chapter of their life when one chapter is over. We'll just hold on and sit in those old places and fester in the wounds and be angry at the people that hurt us, being angry at mom and dad and ex, all my exes that live in Texas. and <laughs> Some of us have a few of them and some of us hadn't let go of them. I know. <laughs> but the therapist that I read said that one of the most important things that we can do is to begin to let go of the past and to seize it and say, yes, I have a new life ahead of me. I have a new possibility. And so many times people come to therapists and they tell all their emotions. And in the end they say, yes, you're right, therapist. I've got to move on. But I just can't. <laughs> Anybody feel that? Just can't let go of that hurt. Just can't let go of that person. Just can't let go of that life or that chapter. And uh, it's funny what therapists hear. You know, they'll, they'll hear people say, yeah, I've got an opportunity for a new job. Well, you're going to take it? You're going to seize it? Yeah, but I'm too old to start a new career. Or a new relationship comes into their life after many years of loneliness. A love is birthed. Are you going to go forward for that new love that you've longed for? Yeah, but I'm just not at a stage where I can give myself to someone afresh. There's too much pain, too much of the past. There's always what therapists, and we pastors hear this too. Yeah, you're right, pastor, but. <laughs> and when you hear that but, it's not just your pain talking. It's your past talking. Staring you right in the face. It's a, it's a tune. Your past is saying, yes, I know I have a new possibility. I know I have a new path. I know there's resurrection life. I know I'm supposed to live on this side of the cross with Christ in resurrection. But you just don't know how bad I've got it, preacher. You just don't know how bad the pain is. The past has claimed you with little word but. The new life cannot possibly dawn upon me. You're kind of a little bit like Peter and John who go home and sit with it. I'm just ready to be in my comfort zone. <laughs> but then there's Mary Magdalene who looks through the tears, looks through the loss, and reaches for Christ but doesn't cling to the past but accepts that He has risen. And in the end, she's the one that makes sense of the mystery and the message of Easter first. She's the one Easter moves through. She's the one unfrozen and freed. She's the one that goes and tags. Peter and John says, tag. You're freed for new life in Jesus. It takes somebody sometimes to come and shake us. 
with Easter resurrection? Who's shaking you? Who's moving you this Easter morning towards new life? Is new life and Easter moving through us? Easter is like the tide. We even call it Easter tide. Those of us who live in, along the marshes of Glen should know something about tides, right? Easter tides flow and they come and they go, but they keep coming. And woe be unto them that don't take into account the time and tide. And those of us who have been blessed to live near the water know we have to live our lives because the tide will come. I think the Easter message is a little bit like that. We call it an Easter tide. It comes and it goes, but we need somebody to help grasp it and not be limited by the pain and the past. Let the past teach you something. Let the pain teach you something. We see the perspective and the path forward. Let Easter move through you. Let Easter move you from the pain and free you to go and tag someone new with that new life. That's what Mary Magdalene did. We celebrate her memory because she went and tagged the frozen and freed them ultimately. It's God's love that has tagged all of humanity. And we are but to testify to the fact that the grave and death has been swallowed up in victory of the resurrection power of Christ. Whereas death was a closed rock before the cross and after God's love raised Jesus that first Easter morn, the grave was an open door to eternity for all those who received the gift of eternity. Death is closed. <laughs> New life is open for business. You've been tagged. <laughs> it might not have been a preacher. It probably wasn't. You expect us to say these things on Easter, right? <laughs> like the old joke of the person who visits the church one time a year and says to the preacher as they're leaving after a great Sunday service, preacher's a great Sunday service, but you're kind of in a rut. You keep preaching resurrection every year. <laughs> that's all I got <laughs> that's all we've got that's the only message the tomb is not much of a pageant without the testimony that God is moving through us at Easter the tide is rolling you may not feel it today you may not feel it tomorrow but if you have people in your life who've heard the gospel and become the gospel and have staked all on the gospel and have staked all that this life is not over with death, then you will hear the testimony to move on past the pain. Move on through the past. Let Easter move through you to the new future, to the horizon, past the confusion, to the confession that Mary Magdalene confessed. He is risen. She didn't get there overnight. Maybe some of us still have a ways to go. Some of us still need to sit with it a little bit. But sometimes life in all of its confusion collapses on us. And all we can do is confess that he has risen. It's the only key that unlocks the door for the future for us. I had a day like that one day. <laughs> I had a day like that when I was a missionary with the General Board of Global Ministries during the Civil War of Liberia in 1996. And after... We were swallowed up in various rebel groups fighting through the city of Monrovia during the 
last bloody stages of the Civil War there in 96, we called on a radio to the U.S. Embassy. We are surrounded and under fire and have been for 24 hours. What do you advise us? And the embassy said, do the best you can. We can't come to get you. It's just too dangerous. Can you make it to the embassy? <laughs> Words you never really want to hear on a radio, right? <laughs> With gunfire all around us, we in the Methodist mission compound thought we needed a little ecumenical strength. <laughs> so we went next door and invited the Episcopal and Lutherans to evacuate with us in force in a convoy to the U.S. Embassy, which we did under fire at numerous points, various checkpoints along the way. After a very perilous path in which uh, any point along the way we could have uh, been killed by gunfire or rocket-propelled grenades or machetes, I mean, the, the list of weapons that evil can use when they really get riled up is, 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 is long. And we saw most of those weapons that day. And yet when we got to the embassy, after 24 hours, having lived through the worst of that civil war, and as the civil war collapsed in among the U.S. embassy, firing and trying to, to attack the, the embassy uh, staff and the missionaries who finally made it there along with us, we woke up, this was Good Friday that we evacuated, and for Friday to, to Sunday, we were there under fire, not knowing what the morning would bring. And on Easter morning, as I stumbled out into the kitchen with gunfire going on, and we were keeping our head down as we went by the windows, I walked in to get a cup of coffee, and there was a Lutheran pastor standing there. It was Easter morning. We were under fire, and my nerves were shattered, and all I had was pain. And all I had was everything that I'd worked for was in the past, and everything we'd done was destroyed. And that Lutheran had made a big pot of coffee and had made some sausage. And he looked at me and said, Christ is risen. Amen. And choking through tears, I said, Christ is risen indeed. And so we discovered the light that dawned in the darkness. We discovered that a confession, even when it is not clear that resurrection life is all around us in the midst of death, a confession, He is risen, can bring light into the darkness. And the divine love of Easter is always with us. The pain in the past is not the final word. God's new life, God's resurrection life comes to those who even in the midst of the confusion just simply confess, He's risen. May He rise in me. May Easter move through me. The question is, what's moving through us? What's moving through us? There was a great seminary joke that went through the seminary. I taught for many years in seminaries across the world and we were trying to teach preachers how to preach. Ultimately, the job is to testify. And the temptation on Easter Sunday is to shout louder than the day. But some of us have to sit a little bit with the message. Some of us have to confess in the midst of the chaos so that in time, the confusion will turn to confession. And really, the preacher's task and all of our tasks is simply to testify that that tomb 
is not the final word. That there are open doors of new life for each and every one of you. Past your tears, past your pain, past the regrets and the futility of the past. And so we used to tell this funny joke about the, the young seminary preacher who it's time to preach and it's coming up on Easter and the seminary dean says, you got to preach the Easter message. And so with the naivety that only a seminary student can have in taking the pulpit, goes forth to the student body and says, do you know the story of Easter? If so, and then all of them said yes. He says, well, then I don't need to tell you. And he sat down. <laughs> and I've been tempted to do that. And you've had preachers to do that here. I exercised my option to testify, didn't I? Well, that wasn't enough for the seminary professor. He said, you're going to have to go back tomorrow and try again. So he stood up and said, do you know the Easter story? And they were like, no, because they wanted to hear it, right? And when they said, no, he said, well, go find somebody who, who knows it. And he sat down. And that just had the whole seminary buzzing. And the, finally, the seminary professor says, you got to go do this and make this right. you got to tell them the Easter story. you got to tell it to them right. you got to tell it to them long. And he said, okay, I'll get up there. So he gets up there and he tells the now thoroughly confused seminary, do you know the Easter story? And some murmured over here, yeah, we know it. And some over here said, no, we don't know it. He says, all right, those of you who know it, tell somebody who doesn't. This is the Easter message moving through us. Do you know the Easter story? Do you know the Easter message? Do you know it? Yes. If you don't, Talk to somebody who does. If you know it, tell somebody who doesn't. Some of us are somewhere between yes and no. We need each other. We need Easter to move through us. We need somebody to grab us and tell us and be the Easter message. Can we be the Easter message, College Place? Those who know the Easter story will confess it. And it will turn the confusion of the world in the direction of Christ. That's what the empty tomb. It turns the world in the direction of Christ. And may our testimony, may the tomb not be the end, may our testimony continue to fill the world with the knowledge, the grace of Jesus Christ. The grave is not the final answer. The grace of Jesus Christ that comes to us and dawns on us in our confession. He is risen. What's moving through you? Is Easter moving? Touch somebody. Be touched by the message. And let Easter move through us from the grave to the grace that Jesus and God's love wants to pour out on each and every one of us. This has been a production of College Place United Methodist Church. May God bless you richly upon hearing this message.